Hey, what's up? It's MJ. Want to snag a $100 Napa cab for $25? Wine Spies finds incredible wines at ridiculous prices. We're talking Zinfandel, Barolo, Champagne, you name it. Some of these wines are up to 75% off. It's not a club, so there's no obligation to buy. They even have a build a case option so you can mix and match wines and take advantage of free shipping on every purchase. Make sure you keep an eye out for their daily offer because once a wine sells out, there's no guarantee it'll be back. Go ahead and check them out. You'll even get a discount by going to winespies.com forward slash black wine guy. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey, everybody, what's up? It's MJ, and welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is the incredibly accomplished Jordan Salcedo. Uh, Jordan was a sommelier and manager at 11 Madison Park, known as EMP and the place to be in NYC, uh, as well as the wine and beverage director for David Chang, who has a show called Ugly Delicious, uh, Momofuku Restaurants. Her wine program at Momofuku had been named a James Beard Foundation semi-finalist multiple times and in 2017 it was awarded the most original wine list in the world from the world of fine wine she is also a podcaster she's the host of opening up with jordan salcedo and she is the founder of ramona an organic italian wine spritz which is now available direct to consumers through their website Welcome, Jordan. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I'm just so happy to be here. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Jordan and I connected through Instagram. Go shop, go figure. Like every guest on the show I've connected with through Instagram. So hey, um, you brought some Ramona, but you also brought a really great bottle of wine. Tell us about the bottle of wine you brought today. Of course. All right. So this is the Bodega Chakra, uh, the pa- the Cinquenta y Cinco Pinot Noir. Um, oh, sorry. This is, should I re-say it? Okay. Uh, so it's a bottle of Pinot Noir from... We, we keep it real. It's just raw. Just go, girl. It's okay. <laughs> That's why I signed that waiver. <laughs> Everything you say will be used against you. Um, so, yeah. So this was the first uh, place where I worked harvest in... Um, well, it was. it's the only place I've worked harvest in the Southern Hemisphere. But it was the... For me, it was so eye-opening because to your point, as we were talking about before we started recording, um, so the winemaker here is very much inspired by uh, by Burgundy. The grape is Pinot Noir here. It's these ungrafted 55-year-old uh, vines at that point. At this point, it, they're, they're, they're older than that. But when the winemaker uh, bought the estate, then he, there were all these abandoned vines. And uh, the whole estate is farmed biodynamically. The the owner and the winemaker is a guy named Piero Enchiza de la Roqueta. 
and his grandfather is the one who started Sasakaya. So there's this legacy oh. of fine wine in his family, but he's this sort of renegade of the family and was like, yeah, I, I, thanks, you know, but I actually like Pinot Noir. <laughs> I like Burgundy better. And um, and uh, the wines are wines that I've loved uh, for a long time, but also um, when you go and visit. For me, yeah. it was so I would yeah, yeah. because because everything in Patagonia, in particular in this area, is ungrafted vines. So um, so the process of growing new vines is just so fascinating. And so you just splice off a piece of a vine and you stick it in basically what looks like a big sandbox, and that's the the nursery. And then the, the biodynamic preparations are so... Um, yeah, you just get to be part of it and see it up in a way that's different from, at least for me, I always, I always learn better if I can see it and experience it instead of just reading about it in a book. Very nice. And I, I see on the back of this bottle that it is uh, imported by Grand Cru Selections. It's a little homework. I didn't, I, I did, so uh, you, you have a very close tie to Grand Cru Selections, you don't you? You your homework. A very handsome man uh, oversees the portfolio at Grand Cru Selections. His name is Robert Bohr, and we've been married for 12 and a half years. Oh, <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yes. Um, uh, so thank you for um, bringing that bottle, and thanks for being here again. And, um, <clears throat> you know, wow, <laughs> so much going on in the world. We got COVID. We just had a crazy election. Thank goodness um, we have a new incoming president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, but, like, let's, like, you are, you're Somalian. You're female. Been a lot of that going around, a lot of stuff in the news about that uh, the past couple of weeks. Um, and I, I, following your feet, I know you're, you're very, uh, you're politically conscious. You, you, you are, not, you take a stand on some things. So um, I would love, you know, to hire what, what, you know, as someone who went through the quartermaster Somalias. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a good thing. I think that this conversation is happening. Right. I feel like there have been so many reckonings in this in this year. Um, and this one actually surprised me. I was really, I knew that the article was sort of in the works and, um, and it's something that is very prevalent. I mean, that, that sort of, I think there is, there is systemic sexism in the world. There is systemic racism in the world. And now I think having the conversation is helpful because now we can sort of start to unpack it and, and rework things. Um, my experience, I never, I did not share and I, I never had any sort of experience. You of, were fortunate not to, yeah, yeah, to have, yeah. In terms of sexual assault through the court, what I definitely experienced was just the sort of systemic sexism that, that sounds like it's pretty rampant. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I'm st and I've thought about this a lot, like do I think there's a lot of talk about should the court be dismantled? Should it be just sort of blown up and rebuilt? And I think that there are conversations like that happening, which which is not a bad thing. I think for me, the end of the day, I think there are also some great people in the court and they are not the ones sort of charting the direction, but at, at least the purpose of the court for a while, I think was really helpful because it did provide some structure mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. education and for studying in a world where everyone wants sort of a stamp of of credibility um and i would say like my my 
story with the court. I'm, I'm actually grateful for my experience with it in the sense that I, I went through the court. I, I was part of the last group of people. They sort of changed the rules, and I think it was 2014, which was the first year I took the master's exam. Mm-hmm. And you have to get invited to take the master's exam. And um, I, you know, you take a year off after passing advanced. And um, and I, I really learned a lot about blind tasting through initially failing the advanced exam blind tasting, which I think, you know, the, the things that I think are really great about the court are the sort of the process. And, and that for me was true with blind tasting. Mm-hmm. Like, I am a better taster as a result. Um, and anyway, ended up in this exam and passed the tasting portion, but not the service or the theory. And then sort of, and then because I was part of this last year, I got to go on with the other group of people who in that year also passed one section and everyone else then entered this new system of like past theory, which was sort of like the, the golden gates and then you mm-hmm. you can go through mm-hmm. or not. Um, and so I've taken the exam enough to know just how very different the exams can be from year to year um, and how arbitrary service is. And that, that was my personal experience was, was the year that we had opened Co. Um, and and I was like on Zoom, I guess it was before Zoom, it was like Skype trainings with different mm-hmm. colleagues across the country and mock exams and this and that. But really it was like, you know, the, the point of being, you know, of passing the service exam is to show mastery of service. And and having worked on John Reagan's team at 11 Madison Park the year we won the James Beard for service and really just even working under John, who is so crazy service oriented and really I think people – a lot of people did not like his style. I can't say I enjoyed working <laughs> under him at the time, but it's one of those things where you you know it's sort of masochistic, but also you're learning a ton. So you're like, all right, it's it's fine. I'm I'm so happy to be here because I'm getting an education. Um, but with the service exam, the year that I ultimately did not pass on my third try, it was like I passed theory with flying colors. I passed the tasting, and then the service portion was the year that like I had a James Beard Award for ser- or nomination for service. Uh, Bobby Stuckey had come in and said, "What you're doing at Co is the epitome of service nationwide." Yeah, I want. I want to. I'm glad you mentioned him because I was going to ask you about that. So one of the things how I think I actually found you on Instagram was Bobby Stuckey. Um, had reposted the article that you you guys had you interviewed him. Oh yes, yes about. Yes. Natural wine. For the Daily Beast. For the Daily Beast. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So um, a couple of things you just said was very interesting, like um, the service part. And in that article, which I reread for the, for the interview, um, he talks about um, service, you know, it, uh, hospitality. First and foremost, it's about the guest. Yes. So let's talk about, <clears throat> let's talk about that article because I think um, – I think you must have got some hate from uh, some, oh, totally. some people. From all these like very crazy like natural wine people. And by the way, I love natural wine. <laughs> I, I like a lot of natural wines. But it's so funny how political it can be. Yeah, I mean, but in that article, I mean, I, I there has to, of course there there's good wines in every price range and style. Um, I mean, for me, like that article, though, Bobby, and I, I'm not, I don't want to put words in the mouth, and we, we, we speak on Instagram, and, uh, you know, I want to have him on the show. I'll go out there, or, you know, we'll, we'll do remote. He's an awesome dude. He's rad. Um, but, He's like, so great. but, like, I mean, <clears throat> when I see people, like, you know, I, I was on a Zoom with Michael Skernick, and someone asked him about natural wine. I was like, like, most high-level wine people 
aren't feeling them though. Is that is that safe to say? Like most, like a majority. I wouldn't say I can't say one hundred percent, but like you know, like like you know, had Dustin on. You know, like we want you want these wines good, but I think what you said earlier about people wanting a stamp of approval, and in this insta world. And in that arc, you talk about people wanting to make a name for themselves, so they just find the funkiest wine because, you know, Rip Van Winkle was uh, sold the land to uh, Snuffy Smith, who then sold it to Rocky and Bullwinkle, and Rocky ripped out all the vines with his teeth, and you know, I mean, so people come. The wine is more about the story than the wine, and, and I love like, you know, why do you think? And we'll get into that because your wine is organic and but you know like and maybe so why do you think that has become such a big thing though like why is it so polarizing okay i mean i i have a few philosophies but i think i think a couple things and also i think it's worth remembering that the thing that bobby was attacking in that article was bad service like at the, oh no 100 percent. and and part of that <laughs> is spewing information about a wine to tell a story that has nothing to do with the guest wants and i right. think that's where he was going um my issue, and I think a lot of people's issue with the term natural wine, is that it literally doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean shit. It doesn't. And right. that's a problem because right. then you have all these other people sort of lobbing on and saying, no, it has to be natural or I don't drink it. And that is translating to, I would say, like the the misperception that anything that does not subscribe to this dogmatic term is by definition or by default not natural or unnatural in the way that like and I'm just going to use like a mom term but like there's this company called Honest Diapers yep and that, by definition, assumes that all other diapers are dishonest. Or, <laughs> and it's just not true. And so when you think about... All those dirty diapers out there. <laughs> all other diapers are already dirty. I know. I like vegetables. <laughs> I'm bringing up diaper analogies. Why did she come on the show? Um, what I would say is... Because moms <laughs> listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> what I think is that... Um, you have, and I, I'm, I'm not going to name this person, but like I'm thinking of a guy who loves to, sub, like he loves to make natural wine and so he's, he's like this American guy and he makes wine in a few different places and he's like very much like whatever the thing of the moment is, he has the bullhorn in support of it. And he makes a natural wine with like shittily farmed grapes that are farmed with a whole bunch of chemicals. And I know more about this wine than I might because you can find anything if you just sure. ask a few questions. So it's like being positioned as this natural thing, whereas in fact it's like crappy grapes that are grown with a whole bunch of different chemicals because like you sort of have to grow – you don't have to, but it's much harder to grow grapes in – regions that aren't supposed to go grow grapes without some sort of... What, chem are, you, what are you talking about? Like, I've well, got I, some grapes. I want to be a winemaker. Yeah, I'm going to throw them in a barrel. Yeah. I'm going to let them naturally ferment. Exactly. And, 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 and that, you know... Yes. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And there are some amazing natural wines, and there are some amazing natural wines that would never call themselves natural Well, wines. that's the point. So, like, so... I, you'll be the first one. So what's the difference between biodynamic and natural like we said yeah. natural is a bullshit term but totally. but like biodynamic wines yes. are 
wines that are grown in the so natural right. has to do with what happens in the winery yeah. and biodynamic and organic have to do with what happens in the vineyard and i guess in the us there's like a, a crossover so with organic it has to be grown organically but also you can't add any additional sulfites in the us even though that's not true in europe or other sure. countries so a natural wine just means like you get grapes from wherever you get them and then you bring them to the winery and you don't add anything to the process and so hopefully you studied and hopefully you know what you're doing and hopefully the grapes that you've that you're making this with are beautiful it's a whole lot of hope it's a lot of i mean when you think about i mean you think about uh, like since no one's really been growing making wine like that in the u.s for years like where you this is awesome where are you going to get a mentor to do do it like you know you're going on people kids going on youtube and like i'm going to make natural wine like well, and the other thing I remember, like when this sort of term was just starting to be used, and I was in France, and I, I went to Beaujolais because I wanted to taste at some of the wineries where where I love the wines, and I, a wine I've loved for a very long time is produced by a gentleman named, named Jean Foyard. He makes a, a um, some wines from Morgon. Morgon, yeah, yes. Yeah. And I and I asked him. I said, Why is it that you make these gorgeous wines? And at the time, I had just there was a new wine shop. It was a natural wine shop. I. Had, I'd like totally took my paycheck and I went to this wine shop because I heard that they had, um, what is that wine that starts with an uh, Auvergnois? can't believe I almost blinked on that. So I, I literally bought like 12 bottles of Auvergnois retail from this store. And I was like, okay, they have Auvergnois. This is like the cult wine that nobody can get a hold of. What whatever else they I I wonder what else he thinks is great and I bought you know another case of wines I'd never tried before or heard of that had cool labels and were supposed to be great and I remember I was so excited because Robert my husband really hates natural wine like he will say that loud see that's what I said so like uh-huh. people who know wine don't really. <laughs> And I was going to, like, prove him wrong. And I was like, this is going to be so great. He's going to love it. And I opened it up, and we had just ordered, like, a pizza delivery. And I poured in a Zalto glass, and I and I take a sip. And it was clearly, there was, like, a very bad bacterial infection going on to the point where I just had to spit the whole thing out and dump the rest on the drain. And, and that was that. But it was my, that was my first experience. And that's why I think natural wine can be polarizing because part of its skill set. But then the, the question with Morgon or with Jean Foyard was, so why is it that your wines are so beautiful and balanced? And he said, so much work has to go into the vineyard. So if you're dealing right. with somebody who doesn't know that, then that's a problem. But also soil result, like the soil results in the pH of the wine, which is which is very important to how, you know, the, the chemical makeup of a wine also uh, informs very much what happens once it's in a bottle. Um, it's longevity. It's you know, So there are so many factors and a basic understanding of chemistry is important. And so are many other things. And I think there was a sort of, there was this like idea that like, oh, natural wine is better. This is wine for the people. And I feel like right. it adopted this populist right. sort of language. Well, I love marketing, but marketing also ruins everything, yes, you know? So yes. it's, it's a catch 22. It it's is. a slippery slope. It is. And, you know, and, and you said something earlier, which I wholly agree with. Like people don't realize how many organic and biodynamic wines are out there that do not put that on their label from Europe that don't put on label because they don't – because it would actually – they're like it's a fine wine like they just they're doing that because that's going to produce the best possible wine it's not a marketing gimmick yes and most people who you know i I think there is i have this image in my head of like kind of like the natural wine person you know and they really don't want to spend more than 15 dollars on a bottle 
and they're telling themselves it's because I don't want chemicals in my body, <laughs> you know, and, and I, and I, nobody wants chemicals in their body, but at the end of the day, does the wine taste good? That, that, that's always my first criteria, you know, and, and that, and I think that, that's what you get in a wine. You can get in some of these really awkward, poorly made natural wines. And then you also get in like, like your supermarket wines, right? Like, like I had a wine, I had, a, I've had a couple of celebrity wines recently because, you know, um, because I'm the black wine guy and people like, these are black celebrities and people are like, have you had this wine? And like, <clears throat> you know, and the wine was, uh, it was for people who don't drink wine. That, yeah. That's what I say. That's why I say, I said, this is for someone who doesn't drink wine to yeah. get to start moving them towards wine. But like, you know, it's the same thing when someone leaves too much residual sugar in their, in their, their $12 bottle of red blend and, and, and they, and they over oak it, you know? So it's just jammy vanilliness. With like oak essence. Yeah. With like yeah. oak essence. Right. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that's, I, I think that becomes the issue. Like we love, we love this, this, this wine. We love this product. We love what it does. And then, you know, um, and, and also it's a business and then, and then some people can run with certain things. So, I want to get into something. I want to get into your wine. Uh, but before we do, I just have to take um, a quick break, and we'll be back in a, in a second. If you follow me on social media, you know I love discovering and drinking new and exciting labels and winemakers. The Wine Spies offer wines like Single Vineyard Tempranillo from Amador County, Single Vineyard Mount Veter Zen from Peter Franis. If you don't know who he is, now you know. Wine Spies has been gathering intel since 2007, so these guys are really connected in the biz, and that's how they can offer so many great deals. I love their locker feature. It lets you build a case over time so you can check out with just one bottle and avoid shipping charges. They have a top-notch tasting panel, so I can rely on the wines to be great every time, which lets me play around and discover more. The Spies always take care of me. So, if I'm not 100% happy with the wine, they'll make it right. And just for the listeners of my show, there's a special Black Wine Guy Experience URL discount code for $10 off your first order when you sign up at winespies.com forward slash Black Wine Guy. Okay, so we were talking, we were talking natural wines for the break. We are talking biodynamic wines. We are talking organic wines. Talk about Ramona. Talk about Ramona. Okay, so Ramona, I'm gonna. Can I go back a little bit longer to the MS conversation? Yeah. Okay, so it starts. Ramona starts with the year where I get feedback that I've not passed the. They threw exam. shade. I heard. I something you read. They threw threw shade at you when you started talking about Ramona, right? No, it, Ramona didn't exist yet. Okay. Ramona, no, they. Um, it was I, I was given feedback by a group of it was one table, so I passed two tables and there are three tables, and I was given the feedback by one table that I didn't pass that one table because this particular group of people or masters did not think that I seemed like myself to them, and none of them have ever seen me work on the floor, and none of them also wow. were working in restaurants, so it was sort of like it was this very weird moment, and it was like a gut punch because I'd always heard like. You, the the year you have fun is the year that you finally pass. And I was like, I had fun. I answered the questions right. Like nothing tripped me up. I had my tasting menu from Tasmania, like locked in, you know, like whatever question you were going to throw at me, I was going to answer correctly that year. And um, yeah, and it was also like the year 
we're sort of like, I'm going to pass this thing, and then I'm going to like think about a family. Like then, then the other things can happen, but it all rested upon this certification. And that was like the year where, and apparently that feedback has been very common. Like other people have gotten the feedback, like well, your suit, we didn't like your suit, and and that kind of thing is is super common in in the court, which I I just thought it was like particular to me, but. Um, and anyway, it was like, uh, I think one week after that is where I, I learned I was pregnant with my son, Henry. And that was not planned. We were supposed to wait. I was going to pass. I was going to get this thing. And, and But it was it was great. And we were actually, I was in Italy for two reasons. One was for a wedding, but then I had sort of lobbed on this meeting um, to go visit a vineyard because of my, my other wine company that I don't focus on anymore, but in the same way, but um, called Bellis. So I was in Italy and in the back of my head for years had been this idea of like, why is it as... I'm not really a beer person, but, I, but I'm a spritz person. And why is it that, like, in casual moments, the only option is sort of like beer? And as somebody who doesn't really like beer, I just would – I'd rather have, like, a bottle of sparkling water than, like, a bad glass of rosé. So – what are you talking about? It's rosé all, rose all know, day. It's rosé season. But girl. like back to like chemicals in your body, like I just know enough about no, like what I, goes I know. It's, that's, that whole thing. That whole I mean, rosé rosé has been around since we've been making wine and then yeah. all of a sudden again, it just became this thing. And it's great because it's this entry point and then people are like, yeah. oh, I don't like wine, but I like rosé. And then it's right. like, oh, cool. If you like this rosé, maybe you'll like this right, one. Right, and then right. it's like, like we all learn in like this web-like fashion. So was sort of this moment of realizing that did I want to pursue something as arbit like did I really respect that feedback and was there anything in that feedback that I could actually take and internalize and become better at my job as a result and the answer was no and this is an organization that I'm, my husband and I would sort of butt heads because I was like no you know I'm learning and it's the journey and he was like this is a ridiculous organization <laughs> don't waste your time you're better than this and so that was sort of like an internal conversation we'd always have but at the end that moment for me was really powerful because it was like this moment of lack of power and through lack of power I think comes creativity and that was a moment where I was like, all right, do I want to go this path or do I want to create a thing that I wanted to create and have been too scared or too unfocused or too focused on the wrong thing? And so that actually ended up being this amazing moment um, to sort of say, actually, I'm going to I'm going to do this thing. I wish this thing existed. It doesn't. I drink sparkling water when I'd rather have something you know that's like a, a spritz or a beer alternative but that doesn't trade down on value system so back to organics i knew from day one i wanted this to be organically farmed you know what hold on pause for a second you know what i heard in that story what i heard in that story was you know i got pregnant and it wasn't planned so i knew i had to come up with a lighter drinking wine <laughs> so we don't Alcohol slip up again <laughs> not through pregnancy like like he was popping too many bottles at night. We slipped up. I mean, I love my husband. I love my son. But, like, you know what? I'm going to help all the women out there. Because I don't want you getting pounded on shitty rosé. You know, and, and, and you know, and you know, singly, like, how did I do on the walk? How did I get here? So we have Ramona now. We do, but also it's important to say that these are things I wanted before I knew I was pregnant. This was like I wanted a thing that was fun to drink in casual moments that wasn't like, and I love a good margarita, but if I drink two, I'm sort of blasted. And then and then I'm not able to do the rest of what I was supposed to do that night. And so it's sort of like, yeah, I guess it was just a good reminder. Sure. 
And the other thing, I mean, it's like I was looking at this recently, but the wage gap really starts when a woman becomes pregnant. So yeah. 80% of the wage gap is a result of motherhood as opposed to just gender. And so that was sort of, for me, that was interesting. It was like, all right, you know, how am I going to help rewrite this playbook is if I can write the rules, at least of my of my own world. So you mentioned earlier, that's cool. You mentioned earlier um, you had had this idea. So it's like, do you think you were always entrepreneurial or? Yes, I do. Okay. I think, yeah, like I'm remembering, actually my mom was reminding me of this. Like I used to sell like, I would like gather rocks with my sisters or we'd like make cookies and like sell them on the roadside when I was growing up. Because I think that was important to my parents as well. Neither of them grew up with very much money. And so it was very important to them that they understood that you you make money by working or by having a thing to to sell or mm-hmm. add value to the world in some way. And my dad is in law and my mom's in education. But they were um, very good at at least trying to instill values that they thought were, were helpful. And they also always encouraged whatever creative whim we had going on. Like there were always art projects involved in our childhood. Cool. All right. So let's get a little bit more story. So you were in Italy, you were going, you had another wine called Bella. Um, so you're over there and you're like, you know what? And you talk to Robert, your husband, and you're like, you know, I, so what happened when you were in Italy? Just, did you just. Well, actually, Robert went, he went home okay. and, and then I stayed in Italy and that was like really good thinking time. Okay. Like, do you ever have that where you, like, get such a gut punch and your whole world that you're, like, your game plan is, like, erased in front of your eyes and you're, like, all right, now what? And so <laughs> I remember. Like, Story <laughs> of my life. <laughs> and so you just sort of sit up. Self-inflicted <laughs> wounds, though. I punch myself. In the but anyway, yeah, no, totally. But there's so much that comes out of that, right, where it's, like, okay, like, here are the limitations. Like, grow within that. And so many good ideas come from that. And I don't know why, but like it was like I was falling asleep and I was super tired. I'm like a person who waits until the, you know, I'm like a 1 a.m. kind of bedtime person. And it was late and I was falling asleep. And then like the name Ramona came back to me. And Ramona was the name of my little sister's childhood alter ego. When she was five, she read these Ramona Quimby books. And Ramona Quimby was like the hilarious, mischievous little sister. Ramona and Beezus. Yes, yes, exactly. So she was the Ramona of the family. And she got herself a Ramona. There's another one for you guys my producer's like how the hell does mj know know this shit (laughs) (laughs) um that's really that's super cool so but also you know like i struggle with that because like i still have a day job like i would rather stay up late because i'm and and when you're a mom now so it's different but like because you're a little loopy and when you're a little loopy you slip into a little subconscious state and then ideas can come out yes you know so i i totally get get that so you remembered so you remembered your sister her 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 little it was ramona awesome and it was like it felt rebellious it was like all right i'm gonna do this like i just spent my life like opening this two michelin star wine program and that was dave's mandate he was like "I, i want you to build me a great wine program i want Co to be a place where people think to come for wine, um, and that was fun, and I, we 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 ex- we succeeded in that. Um, and then, so this very much felt like a rebellion or a mischievous, mischievous sort of alter ego. And it kind of, the logo on the, it kind of looks like megaphones. Totally, totally. Okay, okay. So the inspiration was the Russian constructivist posters. Oh, I see it now. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
right? Because yeah. the whole point of that movement was this rejection of the notion that art belonged to this elite group of people. And it's like, no, no, no. Fine art is for everyone. It can be in a poster. It can be on the side of a building. And that's why there's graffiti all over the world now. Yes. Lots of it in the city. I love it, though. No, but I, went, I was in... I was in uh, Belfast, Northern Ireland, and there's graffiti. There was a whole underground tunnel just filled with graffiti. Like, wow. and that's like because that's what you just said. Like, art. You know, people began proving yeah. that art. You know, and and then you know, and then wine is not. And wine is actually it is for the people. Um, like, not everybody can afford DRC and totally. first growth Bordeaux. Totally. And that shit is really good if you ever get a chance to taste it. For sure. But that's not what it's about. Like, you know, like, you know, we were talking about Zalto glass. You know, you go to Italy, you're drinking out of little little glasses, little square, you know, round glasses, like little mason jars. And it's just, you know, so so, so you do that. You, you, it's based, I'm loving the story. You're like, you're just being rebellious. Totally. You're like, screw you. My, yeah. There's nothing wrong with my suit. <laughs> Again, I'm gonna start a company. Yeah, like, do I really want to go? Like, do I do I want to like aspire to hopefully seem like myself to people who still continue? Don't even know me. Yeah, and so it's like that was just so bizarre. Like they, they couldn't come up with something that was like even more like lie lie, but make it compelling. <laughs> like, if that's really the answer, then like you're just embarrassing yourselves. Come on now. So um, yeah, so that was how. Ramona started. And up to this point, so my harvest experience started in Burgundy when I was, I guess it was 2006 was the first time I worked harvest. And okay. it was at Domaine Arlo in Burgundy. And, and that was, it was the last year of um, Pierre de Smet as the winemaker. And um, the next year I got to work with Elise de Monti. And the next year was like a little bit of Rumier and a little Lafon. And what, what's that like working in Burgundy? Oh my gosh. It's so inspiring. I mean, for me, that's what helped me fall in love with wine. I mean, my dad's dad, who I never met, made wine in his basement, and and I never tried it, but I'm sure it was bad. You and mean your grandfather? My grandfather. <laughs> I know. I say. I, I guess. No, I know, but it, like I, I never <laughs> met my my grandpa, my grandpa. Yes. So so I, I get what you say, but it's just funny how we describe people sometimes. But, <laughs> but I think like, and that I think to your point about DRC being so inaccessible, but like, yeah, you go to Burgundy, and it's so. And I think it, this has changed in the last 15 years or so, but there's such a humility and such a reverence for the past and a respect for the process and a respect for the land and this understanding of like this bottle is a time capsule that represents this place and this period of time and the philosophy of this winemaker who made it. And there's, there's so much understanding. And I think like it's so easy to go down a rabbit hole in Burgundy because Everyone is warm and, and curiosity is rewarded. Gotcha. And, and that was, I guess, so interesting. But, um, oh, back to natural wine. I know I'm like jumping back to another conversation, but I think one point of like why did natural wine gain all this momentum? Because I think the populist message of it is like you don't have to drink DRC to drink great wine. You can drink this. It's natural. Right, right. And, I agree. And, yeah. and it's like if we like peel back the nonsense, it's sort of saying like I think like the beauty of natural wine is like, oh, is like a value system, right? It's like the value system of DRC is focus and precision and organic farming and care and love. And that value system does not just have to apply to this particular incredible Grand Cru of Burgundy, but it can apply to a spritz in a can or anything it else. It can totally, I can see it applying to your spritz in a can, but 
I've had DRC. That shit is amazing. It is amazing. It is, am- it is amazing. And Dujac is amazing. Oh, my Dujac. And Ponceau. Ponceau and Ligier Belair. No, they're they're all amazing. No, I I, I mean, but they're, I mean, it's just. And they're all different. They're all different. Yes. Um, and then, you know, I'm probably, throw, I'm throw shade at the, I know you like Kevin Love, but like. I should have said J.J. Rennick. These dudes wouldn't be drinking wine if they had regular, they wouldn't be drinking these wine if they had regular jobs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, you know, like, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I, I love it, but like. You fucking make ten million dollars a year, bro. Like a- I'm more, I'm like, it's more something that I'm drinking these wines. So I've had to work my way into the damn room, man. Like, who's that guy? You know, versus like, we. Well, he must play basketball. Look how tall he is. No, but no, it's just, just you know, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because again, we're so driven. Like, and like during the pandemic, lots, lots of guys, JJ, um, Mellow. Um, Kevin, uh, Kyle Zumo, Dwayne Wade. I mean, you know, it's all good, man. But like, no, you're right. That's that's my hair. I'm like, you didn't earn it, bro. You like, you didn't work in a wine store. You didn't, you didn't make seven dollars an hour. You didn't, you didn't like work six hours. You just like, just like you like, oh, I got all this money, and then like, coach said, drink this, and like, you were drinking old E a week before, and now you're like, I only drink Latour. Anyway, no, I just had to do that for some controversy. Come on the show, guys. We can we can work it out, man. <laughs> no. Um, so, so how long has Ramona been? How long have you been around? Okay, Ramona launched in 2016. It was a test batch. Test batch launched in 2016. Okay. Um, and then we sold out before the next summer, which was a surprise. I was very surprised by that. And then. We launched a new flavor. Let's see. So we started with Ruby Grapefruit, and the thought behind that is like it's sort of like Aperol, but organic. Mm-hmm. There's like weird stuff in Aperol. Do you know there's coal tar in Aperol? Um, I, you know, I have I uh, had this part time gig at Whole Foods because I was you just, did. I was mis selling wine. Yes. And um, yeah, so you find out like they're like they're like oh that's dirty like that product's dirty like there's a lot of stuff that's like got some weird stuff in it. Yeah, yeah. Like people are like do you have Campari? Like nope. <laughs> no, we don't. Yeah, yeah. FD and C40, I think it's in both. And yeah. there's there's also, you never know whether, like, that's just the American recipe. Right, right. It's like Haribo gummy bears. It's like you definitely don't want the American recipe. <laughs> you want to get that shit in Germany in the airport and bring it home in your suitcase. Right, right. Um, so that's just interesting. So, yeah, so so then you, you, you said we're going to do more flavors. And then? And then we launched Sicilian Lemon. Actually, we call it Meyer lemon, but it's made from organic Sicilian citrus fruit. And then blood orange is the most recent one. I like blood orange. I'm gonna have to try it. And it's very, it's like, um, sort of like I think of it as like a Negroni minus the gin and the hangover. But it's it's (laughs) it's like made with organic Sicilian blood orange, and so it's like deep red in color, and it's like a little bit drier and more structured and. People think of it as really sweet, but that's only if you're using like fake blood oranges. Yeah, no, blood oranges are. They're tart. They are. They're tart. They're yeah, tart. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, so, so, and then we, we did another, we did a dry version of grapefruit in the spring. I guess we launched it in June of this year, sort of quietly because, because it was June of this year, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, I put a kibosh on a lot of people's yeah. plans <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and it's good you were respectful. I mean, you know, it's like, we're not going to be like, we're going to, we're done. We no, don't care. No, 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 About no. About that eight minutes, 46 no. seconds. We got to launch our oh, God. brand. No, 
but what a freaking wake up call, you know? It's like I and I guess I think for hopefully the country, and that's why I'm like surprised that 70 million people didn't vote the right direction. I'm obviously well. They voted the direction they wanted to vote, and 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 that I mean, it's one of those things where like. You know, I talk about this all. I, I don't talk about it all the time, but like, I mean, like, like when Rodney King happened, like, like we like, yeah, cops have been whipping our ass for years. Like, it's not really surprise to us. And it, and the same conversation was going on. Like, well, you didn't see what happened before the videotape started rolling. Like, people would say that crazy shit, right? Um, and and but like, I didn't want. I didn't see it for like a month. I was. I couldn't. You know, I couldn't even watch it. You know, and then I finally. You know. Um, Chappelle talked about and, I, and then I was just like and you really think about like and then when you watch the video to see someone just just like executing somebody and like you can't you can't like I don't care he could have you know Ted Bunny went to trial like I don't care what yeah. he did why he didn't go to like why yeah. why like why is he off on bail right, right now right you know yeah. like like um, it's just one of those things so yeah I know a lot of stuff um, was you know we had you know we had we still have COVID and, you know, we have all this stuff going on. Um, so you launched it quietly and, uh, and that's cool. And then where are you at now coming into the end of the year, sliding into Thanksgiving yeah. and 2021. Uh, and I feel like this is our moment of like, okay, cool. As we head into lockdown number two, yeah. like we have now, um, we've launched direct to consumer. And so now we can, we can actually ship out Ramona from the website, which is, exciting for us well that's uh, let me ask you so that's like that's kind of like a big deal that's got to be a big deal because like i know some like i you've seen my instagram like i i my wine country was california i lived in santa barbara i love the central coast so i got all this cult stuff and like at least half the shit i buy i have to have shipped to my buddy's house in in new york it can't come to jersey like 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 it's like if you're a small winery it can be it can be expensive to you can't ship to all states so so you you got you know obviously you got something going on there where you you know got a little you know something going on so congratulations on that because I know that that's huge Thank and you. and particularly even after COVID I think people's buying habits are going to change yeah so so um, kudos for that pulling that one off Thank you you reminded me of another book that I did not mention but I read. This is in this August. is in the uh, extra bonus material. Yeah, that you well, guys I'll will bring have it up. I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up afterwards. <laughs> no, but no, you bring the book up. I'll just bring up the author, James Baldwin, and I was so shocked that like, why is that not part of the lexicon for like everyone reading everything? Like, yeah. what a beautiful writer. And the thing that shocked me so much was the the fact. I mean, to your point about Rodney King, like the way in which like nothing has changed since he wrote. So since he since yeah. he lived and wrote. Yeah, like, so yeah. Little. It's pretty pretty. Pretty telling. Yeah. Pretty telling. All right, so let's um, let's uh, let's let's celebrate some more. Tell me about this uh, best wine list, most original wine list thing you want here. Oh, that was such a fun one to put together. Okay, so this was the mandate from Dave: was make me a great wine list, make me a great wine program. And I really want to give a shout out to Sue Wong Ruiz, who is to this day, and also Sean Gray, who's the chef. But Sue Wong Ruiz is the general manager of Co. And she is so meticulous and so thoughtful. And she and I just worked. You know when you find these people and you just work really well with them? And yes. So she's still shout like. Shout out to Necessary Media. Oh, <laughs> And so she's just a, a, like a sister of mine in, in a way. Yep. I hear you. Yeah, because um, that's important. People like, yes. especially when you're an entrepreneur, because yeah. you're like you're out there. Yep. You're an entrepreneur. You're an artist. You're out there, and like, 
not everybody's going to get you and like most people aren't and when you find that synergy so that's yes. and the trust yes that it takes you know because you're putting together this wine list for them yes that's really cool when our philosophy was okay and i was sort of trying to unpack and it's like what is it about wine or a bottle of wine that resonates with me personally and how can that translate into any guest who comes through the doors and sort of where i ended up was that okay i feel like i have a connection or a special love with any bottle of wine where i know the producer and i believe in this producer and i and i and i learn from them and i love the philosophy it's like so how can i sort of bring that connection to the book or to the wine book and how do we make it because like it went through a few drafts and the first draft was like a whole bunch of text how, about how many how many wines was on that list when you went away i don't know i mean several hundred maybe a thousand wow yeah i don't know and we had i mean i had so much fun putting it together because I, when you oversee a wine program for several restaurants it's like it's always like a jockeying game and like nobody says this you're not supposed to say it but it's like okay you can have two bottles of ganavat but you have to put this shitty wine by the glass no i know yeah that's a game yeah, it's like it's yeah, like exactly. when i worked retail it's like you want a case of turley hane yeah, by 25 cases of... Uh, this thing you don't want. This thing you don't want. <laughs> and so... We used, to, we used to call that the DI, dump the, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like the thing, I think, like, and I won't say the restaurant, but so many restaurants where I, I like sort of saw the wine program from afar, that was like the strategy of the tasting menu was like, what do we have to get rid of? Great, put it on with the flute crudo. And that uh -huh. was like the end of that. Um, but with Co, I think enough people wanted to, like their the wines from their distribution portfolio on that list that I got to be really picky. And then also we had, I was able to buy some things at auction. There was like a great auction that went up um, and I bought a bunch of stuff and was able to store it beforehand. So it was really- That must be fun. It like, was so fun. Here, here's 100K. Go yeah. buy some old vintages of stuff. It was awesome. And the goal, like the, the so the thing about back to like boundaries, one thing- that was always true of Co was the sort of the physical boundary of the original space. It was tiny. It was the original noodle bar. And Dave's philosophy about Co was that through limitation and boundaries comes the best thing. And so you would just try it out and you would make a bunch of iterations and it would have to be great. And actually Dave, and this was like something that I held true with Ramona, Dave would hide behind the glass wall of Co. There's like a wall that mm -hmm. separates the, the dining room from the kitchen. And he would spy on guests and he would watch their their reaction when they took a bite of something so if he wasn't sure about a dish he would just spy on 20 people eating it that's so funny and and he would watch their reaction like i used to live i lived in la briefly too and <clears throat> i remember you would go to like the arc light down in hollywood and like um actors would come in <laughs> and like watch their scene and then leave like you see no. the reaction totally Wow. Totally, totally, totally. They will watch their seed, yes. see the reaction, and leave. It's, it's, and I think that's people who care about what they do, yeah. the art. They want to see the actual feedback, yeah, exactly. like, 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 not even like you know the focus group. Like they're going to go into theater, be in a theater with people, and see how they react. So exactly. that's so funny that he did that. Exactly. And so I would do that with Ramona. We, I'd be like, oh, try this thing. It's like I guess it's new, or whatever. And then you just spy on people and you see, and that's yeah, that's the real time feedback. But with Co, the point of Co, or sort of the philosophy, and I wanted to always make sure I took my direction from, from the philosophy of the restaurant that 
because the wine was not to inform the restaurant. The restaurant was to inform everything else. And, um, and it was always about the best. It's like, what is the best iteration of this thing? And so that's what I just did with the wine list, where it's like, what are the best examples? And also, because different dishes, like there was this one, it was uni with a chickpea hose on. But it was an iteration of a dish that Dave had tried that was chickpeas and red ruby shrimp when he was in Liguria. So he tried this dish, and then he remembered it, and it was a, this umami and the saline quality. And then that, through many iterations, became... It was a famous chef whose name I'm forgetting, but effectively you have this sort of lineage through chefs and that results Liguria, in... Liguria, that's part of Italy, right? Part of Italy. The sort Boyardee, of... it was Chef Boyardee. <laughs> no, it, it, it wasn't Chef Boyardee. Um, what, what wine did you pair with that? I'm just curious because you're I talking paired... about the saline quality and... Yeah, this was one... All right, so a couple different things, but the, the very first iteration of this, mm-hmm. it was when I would rinse the glass uh, with Van Jones and then pour a Cremant de Jura inside and we did that with Ganavat for a while wow. and then we did it. And that actually came through when the first iteration of the tasting menu in the old space where we did all sparkling wines because it was sort of like, can we? Like, can we do it? Can we do it and have it be great? Not just for the sake of doing it, but like to do it, put these limitations on ourselves and then excel. And there was this dish, um, a soup. It was a red, a green pepper soup with brioche and orange gelée. And then everything we tried with it was bad. And like I, and that was, I think, the point. The chefs were always like testing me and like see what happens now. Like here's something impossible. And so I remember freaking out and then reading this book where it talked about the molecular complexity of Oloroso sherry. And I felt like sherry is going to be way too overpowering. It's a super high alcohol fortified wine. But what could give us potentially the oxidative quality of that without being too overpowering? And so much of it was like the aromatic quality. And so I tried Van Joan, rinsed the glass with it. And this was after trying probably 50 different sparkling wines that all tasted bad with that dish. But if you we found that if you rinsed the glass with Oloroso Sherry, or sorry, if you rinsed the glass with a Vangone and then you poured in the sparkling Cremant de Giraffe, and I liked doing the same producer because I felt like there was a continuity in, sure, in that glass. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and it was great. And it was so great that like every skeptic was then on board. And and this was where Sue was so helpful because she and I would go back and forth and she's like, she's like the gentle skeptic who would voice her opinion or her questions or her potential resistance in a way that was always so respectful, but also very honest and and boundary pushing. And so just as I would think I'd had this great idea, she'd be like, mm, what do you think about, here, here's why I think that might not work. And then it was like, a, it was a very good example of like working through to find the best scenario. Uh, something you said, I'm actually, I just finished Matthew McConaughey's book, believe it or not. I didn't realize how smart that guy was. Mm-hmm. The book just came out. Which one? I, it's called Green Lights. Okay. And um, and something you said, and you said it a few times, and he talks about that, like, freedom comes from boundaries. Yeah. Right? He's like, he's like you know, um, we need gravity to be able to, be able to walk. We need gravity to be able to, be able to fly. Yes. And, and um, so, like, like, them putting you in the box of this is what you're working with and, and you know, forced you. It forces creativity. Yes. You know, boundaries forces creativity. Yes. Um, because you want to push them. You know, you want to, you want to, you know, people go, oh, I got to have a breakthrough. Well, maybe, maybe you just touch the glass sometimes. Yes. Sometimes you just need to touch the glass, touch the walls. Yes. Um, and because you need to know where they are and then, then you can figure out how you can manipulate them. So I, I, I was, it just kind of reminded me of that because I was, I'm listening to it for the second time and, 
and and I heard that passage, and it's funny you bring up like you know you know the boundaries really are what give you freedom. Like it's like, oh, you know, you come up against a boundary, you can do a couple of things. Like it happened with the quartermaster psalms. You could have like kept trying to move forward, move through, conform, wear the right wear the right uh, skirt and blouse combination, the perfect two and a half inch heel, with, you know, whatever to please whoever shows up that day, or are you like, you know what? Thanks. Thank you. Exactly. Thanks for the feedback. Exactly. And and not and not and not in that not in that like snarky like, eh, thanks for it's it's like, no, I you know, sometimes you're just getting these messages like it's time to do your thing. So um like how can you better serve the world? Like is that the path to serving the world or is it not? Like how can how can we create value for and, and so you said that like um so you it's interesting. I'll just finish up here, but like you've had all these successes. You've shared about the, you know, how you, and it's so f- funny. Like most people pass service first. I'm just like the blind tasting is like the hardest part. Like usually for most people. Um, so was there ever time you, th- you thought about completely walking away from the wine business or you just knew you loved, I mean, I don't know. I did go through a phase after 11 Madison park where I wanted to go to business school. And I thought that's what I want to do. I want to like, have a formal business degree Mm. and then um the market tanked it was like i guess it would have been fall of 08 Mm -hmm. and and very quickly after that is when i realized okay a i that's not the right financial decision right now but also (laughs) and this is like my husband robert like stepping in and saying look you're telling me you want to go to business school, spend this many thousands of dollars. Two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand dollars <throat> to then come back to the industry you're in. Why don't you make money, stay in the industry, learn on the job, and then decide from there? Which was wise advice. Wow, it's interesting. It was interesting. It's interesting. That's cool. Um, and I think that is wise. I think um, as someone who has an advanced degree and doesn't use it, um, <laughs> I think, you know. You don't learn your lesson. You don't learn your lesson about reading about it and right. taking a test on it. To be to be honest with you, you know, um, it's a helpful milestone. Yeah, I think it's helpful. Also, I think it's a s- system we kind of yeah. grew up in where we totally. you know, like you know, there used to be apprentice. You just apprentice. You yes. wanted to be a lawyer. You yes. got a lawyer to hire you, and you were an apprentice. Yes. You wanted to be a doctor. You you go learn how to saw people. You know, it was, it was very rustic, but like it became a business. I mean, there's a point where it's like, hmm, I could make money off of this. Yep. You know, um, and even I think it's great. Um, you've said before, science, there's so much science and chemistry and in, in, in wine. Um, but, you know, it was like we, we make wine. You learn from your father who learned from his father, you know. And wine will make itself <laughs> if you right. literally leave it like that. Just, you know, um, um, so, yeah, that's cool. So you were you were going to, but you were, you said you were going to go to business school, but you were, then you want to come back and start a wine business? Yeah, and I didn't know what, <laughs> what kind of wine business I wanted to start, but Robert Yeah, he, just, he saved you. He did. He was like, listen to yourself and go reflect on that. You want to leave what you're doing so you can spend a whole bunch of money, walk away for two years, and come back to exactly what you're doing. Think of how, think of how illogical that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it was like the quest for, I don't know, the quest for education or like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure if I did ever go to business school, I would learn so much. I'm sure there's so much value in that. But I think for anyone who wants to be in the wine industry, it is very helpful to just continue on in the wine industry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's <clears throat> persistence. Yeah. Will, will, um, and, you know, yeah. and but you have to be willing to put in the work, though. People, yes. people, people think it's just drinking wine. It's mm-hmm. not just drinking wine. 
No. You know, it, it's 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 studying wine and and it's it's um and it's being able to relate to people. It's a people business. Yes. It's you know how long well long can you want people? You know, um, and if you don't love people, you shouldn't be in the wine business. To be honest with you. Because it's a service business. It's a service yeah. business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you go, I mean, when you go, you know, when you go, like you said, when you're in Bergen, you go visit people and the mm-hmm. vineyards, the people, they want to have connection. You know, they want to meet people. They want, you know, and, and like you said, the humility, you know, of people. So, um, um, well, you know, oh, my God, that really flew by. Blue by. Well, thank you so, so much. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Um, Jordan, tell people where they can find you and how they can be a part of what you're doing. Oh, my goodness. All right. Um, on Instagram, at Jordan Salcido, um, or at Drink Ramona. And um, be sure to share this podcast with friends if you if you enjoyed your uh, listening. Um, and thanks so much for tuning in. Awesome. Thank you so much. So, everybody, this is MJ. Until the next time, here's a big cheers to the Mavericks, the philosophers, and the deep thinkers, and of course, all you wine drinkers. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something and you had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list. We want to thank our supporter, the Conaway Fund, a component of the Prosperity Foundation, which supports cultural and heritage events, scholarships, mentoring programs, and more. Go to theconawayfund.org and see how you can donate and make a difference in underserved communities.